Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you I started teaching on a subject that I titled More Than Money. Everybody say More Than Money. For a very long time now, let me say the past 10 years, uh, the Spirit of God has taught me a lot on the subject of success and also on the subject of finances. I believe that there is a lot that God wants us as Christians to understand about finances, about the subject of prosperity. And the more I study on, the more I learn these things from the scriptures and also reading from other very renowned experts on the subject, authorities on the subject of finances, the more I think that um, the subject of finance let me say the subject of prosperity has not been properly taught um, by many preachers. Prosperity is not wrong. Prosperity is good. But the understanding of it is very, very important. And the lack of understanding has resulted in many Christians not living as godly as God would want them to live. Many men of God not living as godly as they ought to live, because the subject of money is very important, because it's something we, we handle every day. We use it every day. We need it everywhere we go. It is very important that everybody, and more importantly, Christians, must understand God's own principles about the subject of money. Now, the reason is so that people can be able to relate with money. Well, I always talk about people relating with money. That means handling money the way they should. And so, I've been doing a lot of teaching on this to people one-on-one from time to time. But the times that we live in, I've come to realize that this subject is more and more and more very important. I want to encourage everyone to try to take time to pay attention to what I'm teaching now because it can change your life. It can make your life a thousand times much more better. And the reason why, in my opinion, many people will be poor for life or suffer for life is because they lack understanding about this important subject. I want to say that God doesn't want you to be poor or God doesn't want you to suffer. But ignorance is the reason why many people are poor, and ignorance is the reason why many people are suffering. Now, the exhortation that we just heard is quite a reflection of the things that are happening around us in our economy now. If you read the book of Genesis chapter 47, everybody, let's go to Genesis 47. Now, there was no bread in the land. For the famine was severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan lacked the money that was found in the land. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. So when the money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed. The money has failed. Money has failed. Verse 14. And Joseph gathered up all the money. Joseph was gathering money. He was a child of the covenant. He started life in his father's house, knowing about the God who keeps covenant and who blesses people. His brothers hated him, envied him, and sold him into slavery. But even as a slave, he prospered. Then 
Somebody else in the slave house lied against him and he was sent to prison. But one day God brought him out from prison because he had an ability in him that nobody else had on the land. So Joseph assumed the high office of the prime minister of Egypt, even though he was an alien. And the Bible said when he took over the position of the prime minister, he began to bring prosperity to the house of Pharaoh. And he was doing this at a time when the Bible said there was famine. Famine means serious economic decline. Because in those days, the economy depended on rainfall. Because the livelihood and every activity in terms of trade depended on agriculture. So rainfall was the real factor. Just like today, our economy is driven largely by oil. The fuel price goes up, everything is going to change. If there's no fuel for the next one month, I'm telling you, everything is going to be in trouble. The world is going to be chaotic. So the Bible said, Joseph gathered up money that was found in the land. How was he getting the money? Because he was selling food. There was famine, but they, he was in charge of food, large volumes of food, and he was getting money. But a time came, the famine became so serious, the Bible said, money began to fail. Verse 15. So when the money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, give us bread, for why should we die in your presence? So there were people who had money, but who were dying because money failed. This morning, I want to tell you that money is not everything. Money cannot take you everywhere. If you live all your life chasing only after money, you can end up as the greatest disaster to your own surprise. The Bible said money failed and it will continue to fail. Yeah, it will continue to fail. And we live in a time money is failing. It's losing value. Inflation is now in Ghana 30 34 percent. All right, 34%. That means if you had 1 million cities in your account last year, what you could have done without 1 million last year, you can't even do half of that now with the same 1 million. And if this doesn't stop, next year by this time, that your 1 million, it will be as useless as paper. So when all your trust is in your money, you are lost. When all your life is only about money, every day money, money, you're chasing after money in the morning, money in the afternoon, money in the evening, money in the night, money on Monday, money on Tuesday, money on Wednesday, even money on Sunday, money on Sunday. You can't go to church because of money. You can't worship God because of money. You can't serve God because of money. Money, money, money. I have a word for you. The Bible said money failed. Money is not everything. Money is not everything. If money directs your life, controls your life, you are lost. And you will never be happy and you will never be successful and you will never be fulfilled. Give us bread for why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed. Verse 16, then Joseph said, give your livestock and I will give you bread for your livestock. That means the people had money, but they can't buy the bread. The value of money had reduced to zero. So in the market, you can't buy food with money. So now for them to get food, you have to give out cattle or sheep or goats for an amount of food. That's the scripture we are just reading. Is that the money there is useless. It's useless. The currency of the time had lost value. It's useless. It's like taking the city to Dubai now to buy. They will just throw it at you. What is this? Foolish. It's useless. Bring your livestock to buy. And I will give you bread for your livestock if the money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph. And Joseph gave them bread in exchange for what? Horses. Flocks. Cattle, heads, and donkeys. 
<laughs> he fed them with bread in exchange for all their livestock the whole year. They had to use livestock to exchange for food. They have to use horses to exchange for food. They have to use donkeys to exchange for food. They had to use cows and sheep and goats to exchange for food because money, they didn't, nobody wanted it. It's lost value. That is why last Sunday I said that for you to understand money very well, you must study the history of money. Go down, take a retrospect of how money evolved. There was a time trading was through battering. You bring your shirt, you give me your shoes, and you take my shirt. That is how they did it. Based on the value people place on what you have. You bring your tomatoes, I give you salt. You bring your fish, I give you yams. If you don't like yam, my yam is useless before you. Maybe you like cassava. I give you cassava, <laughs> I take your fish. Battering. Then people begin to value money in animal skins. And then later to cowries. And then to bronze. Later silver. Then later gold. After some time, some of the powerful kings that began to emerge in world civilization, they started producing what we call Coins. They use either gold coins for high currencies, silver coins, and the important thing they do, they put their image on the coin. So they put their image. It means that the territory where that king is ruling, anywhere you take that coin with the image of the king on it, you can buy. That's why Jesus asks the Pharisees, whose image is on the coin? And they said Caesar. Then he told them, give to Caesar. What is Caesar? Because Caesar's image was on the coin. But then, in those days, merchants travel long distances with horses and chariots along trade routes to go to major I mean, trading centers to go and trade. And they carry large sums of gold coins. Robbers and raiders cross them on the road, steal all their money. And so, some people began to develop banks. The banks were simply storehouses that had strong military forces that can protect it. So somebody who knows he can fight a lot, builds an army and they build a warehouse. You bring your gold, your silver, your coin, and then they give you paper credits. That means they will give you a written document with a seal that this amount of money belongs to you in this bank so you can use it to trade. Then later, we had paper currencies began to emerge. Today, Money has gone beyond paper currencies into credit systems. Credit means that you can buy virtually. Mobile money is an example. Your debit card is an example. You can just walk into the mall, buy, and use your Visa card or MasterCard to buy. In some developed countries, I think even in Ghana, some banks are started giving out credit cards. It depends on how they can trust you, by the way. So now, we live in an economy that, that is... Trading virtually, monies are transferred without cash. Even now, we have the emergence of another kind of money beyond the virtual currency, digital currency, cryptocurrency. I said last Sunday that in the next 10 to 20 years, most civilized societies won't use paper cash again. The time is coming, nobody's going to use this, except very rural communities. Rural communities will be using this because they don't, they won't be able to do virtual buying or digital. Rural communities will use this. So money is not this. This is not money. This is just one of the different ways of evaluating money. Money is not currency. Do you understand me now? Yeah, that is why in Joseph's day, the Bible said the money failed, lost value. Money is value. If you live all your life chasing this, you've lost your way. Money is value. Then children tell him money is value. Now, this is very important because Jesus took time to teach a lot about money. And I want to make us study a few things that Jesus said about money. The first thing I want us to read today is Luke 12, 15. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Jesus said, be very careful. And when Jesus says, be careful about something, it means the thing is life-threatening. It's dangerous. It can hurt you. It can harm you. 
it can derail your life, destroy your life, mess your life up. He said, be careful. I think we should read this in Amplified. Um, or maybe, yes, let me see Amplified. Then he said to them, watch out. I love that. And guard yourselves against every form of greed. For not even when one has an overflowing abundance does his life consist of, nor is it derived from his possessions. Oh, I love Bible. I love Bible. I don't know what else I could have done if I was not a preacher. I don't know. The Bible is so powerful, so full of wisdom that only miserable people won't read it. I know you are not one of them. Guard yourselves. Watch out. Be very careful against covetousness. Another word for covetousness is greed. It is never getting satisfied with what you have. It is never being content with the goodness of God. It is always saying, I want more before I'll be fine. It is always looking at something somebody has and say, I want it. Because the number one cause of sin in our world before Christians is money. Money will make people lie. Money will make people steal. Christians, tongue-speaking, steal. Money will make people defraud others. Money will make people extort. Money will make people kill. Money will make people betray their friends. Money will make people betray their spouses. Money will make people betray relationships. Money will destroy every Christian virtue you have because somebody wants to have some money in his pocket. Money will make people destroy their reputation. They bundle their reputation and throw it to the wind. You say, who cares about this? I want some money in my pocket. Be careful about greed. The reason why you need to be careful about greed is that abundance of possessions actually does not define who you are. Life is not about what you have, what you wear. That doesn't mean having good things is bad. I didn't come to rebuke you for being blessed. There's nothing wrong with having good cars. There's nothing wrong with having good houses. There's nothing wrong with wearing good shoes and nice dress. But if that's all your life is about, you will fight and kill people and get it and still not be satisfied. You will never be satisfied. This is why many rich people are still not happy. Because they realize, ah, now I have all the money. I'm still not happy. Okay, maybe let me get more and see whether maybe I'll be happy. Maybe if I get million, I'll be happy. They get million. Oh, let me get billion. Maybe I'll be happy. Then I get billion. Oh, let me get hundred billion. I'll be happy. They, sometimes you meet rich people and you'll be asking yourself, what is this guy looking for again? Haven't you, haven't you asked yourself that? Yeah. You meet some rich people and the guy is still fighting hard. He takes somebody to court who is owing him 10,000. See this? And you're asking, ah, wait a minute. This guy could have just let this money go. He has millions. I said, this money to never go. Godfrey, I will never let it go. I'll fight, you know, because money never satisfies. Why is it that money doesn't satisfy? Because life is not money. Life is not riches. Life is not possessions. Can I tell you what real life is? Life is about discovering why you were born and fulfilling it. And people, if you discover why God created you, why you were born at such a time, if you know why you exist and you decide to pursue it, you will be the happiest person. And in addition to that, you will never lack. If you discover why you were born and you live your life to pursue why he saved you, have you ever asked yourself, why did Jesus save me? Because some of you think you know the answer. Save me so that I can give me money, give me good marriage, give me houses, give me cars, give me, give me, give me, give me. Yeah. You think that is all life is about. No. He saved you for a higher cause. Something greater than money. In fact, the reason why God will bless you with money is to enable you fulfill the reason why he gave birth to you. He created you. So people who have discovered their purpose, when money comes into their hands, they use it well. And they are always happy. And they always fulfill. People have not discovered their purpose. Money comes into their hands and it's all sorrowful. It becomes more miserable. It becomes more frustrating. Be careful about greed. Grief is the craving. Hmm? Craving. The word craving means unquenchable passion for money. 
It is the value you put on money over and above every other thing on the earth. There are people when you meet them, oh, don't go there. When it's money, don't try it. It's first in their lives. Money comes before God. Money comes before their spouse. Money comes before family. Money comes before relationship. Money comes before everything. Scripture number two, Luke 16, verse 10. Jesus said, if you cannot trust somebody with money, don't trust him with your life. Anybody who cannot be trusted with money is not trustworthy. I wish I can say this to every employer here. I think one of the tests every employer should give people you want to employ. Can you trust this person with money? Even your security. If your security cannot be trusted with money, the day somebody slaps money on the table, you are gone. You are gone. Your driver, the day somebody gave him 5,000 CDs, he will tell all the secrets about you. The person you want to marry, if you can't trust him with money, leave him. If you're already married, I'm sorry, it's too late. It's not my fault. Who do you call your friend? Can you trust that person with money? If you had $1 million breakthrough, can you tell that guy you call your friend that I just got $1 million without any issues rising up in your friendship? If you cannot tell somebody that you have just got $1 million breakthrough and the person will be happy with you and friendship will continue without any problems, that person is not your friend. Because I tell you, some of you, the people call you, your friends, it's because you are poor. No, when you get money, you will see real character. Now, this is how Jesus did it. This is how Jesus did it. Do you want me to know what important lesson Jesus taught us about money? Jesus had 12 apostles, 12 apostles. He decided to let one person keep the money. And do you know who he decided that he should keep the money? It was the guy who was greedy. Jesus was teaching a very powerful lesson. Hello? All right. Jesus said what? He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit your trust the true riches? If somebody cannot be trusted with money, he can't be trusted with anything. John chapter 12. Jesus gave the custody of money to only the guy who was greedy. I used to wonder, how could Jesus do that? I thought we give money to people who can keep it well until I learned. Can I tell you what I learned? Jesus wants us to teach us about money. Verse 5 or 6 thereabouts. Listen, the guy who was keeping the money was greedy. You know the result of his greed? He was stealing the money. Don't worry, I'm, I'm not preaching about you. I'm preaching about Judas. I mean, we feel very happy. Let me teach you. Verse 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who will betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He could price the perfume. Wow, don't play with some people. Their mind can make fast arithmetic with money. Everything that is happening, they can see money in it. Oh yeah. And there are some people you need to be discerning enough to know they do nothing except there's money there. Judas is one of them. Greedy people, if they smile at you, it's for money. If they give you a high five, it's because of money. If they send you happy birthday wish, it's because money. No, 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 no. They will come for it at the right time. I promise you. Greedy people don't do anything for free. If you are sick, they visit you hospital, it's because of money. Somebody took his own perfume. It's not yours. And said, I want to honor Jesus with it. Judah said, why this waste? This thing, if you sell it now, it will cost 300 denarii. And then we can give the money to the poor. Because anytime they do the budget for the poor, his cut is inside. His cut is inside. So you think Judas is a very, 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 very lovely brother. He loves the poor. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's not about the poor. He knows how much. 70% of the money is going to his pocket. 30% is going for the poor. Verse 6 is the most sad part. He said, this he said, not that he cared for the poor. Now you see it. But because he was what? Thief. And he had the money box. 
You dare not touch that box. You dare not go close to that box. You are asking for trouble. Judas will heckle you. Judas will conspire against you. He will use every possible means to carat you out of the way. You dare not go near the money box. Find something else to do. Go and do some evangelism or do visitation. But when it comes to the money, Judas, don't try it. And Jesus knew if somebody was keeping that money, Judas will give that person hell. Jesus said, I don't want any fight in this ministry. Take the money and keep it. He was stealing the money. Jesus didn't complain. Now, how did they know he was stealing the money, by the way? Because Jesus had an accountant. His name was Matthew. Because you can never know if things are being stolen unless you can do reconciliation of, of everything. But Jesus still said, leave him alone to keep the money. Is that not enough? Is that not enough to satisfy somebody? Jesus said, for the rest of this ministry, you are the one in charge of the money. Any amount you want, take it. Anytime you want it, steal it. I know you are stealing it, but continue to steal. Is that not enough? Is that not enough? But Judas was still not satisfied. One day he realized that these Pharisees were having a tough time catching Jesus. So Judas went. He said, ah, you guys, I realize you have a problem. I can solve your problem. If you go, you can pay. Is it not Jesus you want? I can help you catch him easily. In fact, if you want him to know, I can help you catch him. Maybe he didn't go. Let's say the Pharisees came to Judas and said, how can you help us catch your master so we can give you some big amount of money? If it was Peter, people came to talk to like that. What do you think Peter would have done? Peter would say, if before I close my eyes and open, disappear or I will make your life to disappear. But there are people in your life if they see money, you are gone. You are history. And they're all around you. Some of them are your siblings. Some of them are your relatives. Some of them are your friends. Some of them are your colleagues at work. Some of them are your business partners. Some of them, they're all around you. I'm not trying to frighten you. I just want to tell you the truth. Judas Iscariot, all the money he was in charge of, which he had freedom to steal anytime he likes, take it anytime he likes, he still could be tempted with money to sell and to betray his master, Jesus Christ. That is what money can do to people. Do you know what Jesus was trying to teach? Jesus was trying to teach that money can never satisfy a greedy person. Can I say that again? The reason why Jesus left Judas to be in charge of the money box, he wanted to teach a lesson to us and to the world that money can never satisfy a greedy person. When somebody is greedy, he's greedy. He will never be satisfied with what you do for him. Give him a hundred, he's not happy. Give him a thousand, he's not satisfied. Oh, if I give him a million, he will be okay. No, he's not satisfied. And that is why I tell people at the time, don't help ungrateful people. Because if somebody is not grateful for one, a million will never make him grateful. That's a very good advice. When people are ungrateful, leave them alone. Ignore them. And don't apologize for not being able to do everything for people. You are not God. Are you hearing me? You are not God. You can't solve the problems in the world. You can only do as much as you are able to do. Money can never satisfy a greedy person. Can I say that again? Maybe let me say it two more times. Money can never satisfy a greedy person. Last time. Let's say it together. Money can never satisfy a greedy person. So, so Jesus said, be careful. Put God. Watch against it. Because every one of us, including myself, you are liable to that temptation. And I'll show you why. Because of need. Because of need. Because of need, we will all be pressured for money. Because of need, we will all be what? Pressured for money. The need for rent, the need for children's school fees, the need for clothing, the need for food, the need to take care of your mother in the village who is sick, the need to, to do this and that, and needs and needs and needs. So Jesus said, there's an, a way we should manage need. You have to learn how to manage need properly. Otherwise, it will drive you into greed. Don't you remember tell him need can drive you into greed. Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. I see a mighty move of the spirits here. And I believe that as I'm teaching to you, there is a mighty anointing for breakthrough falling on your life. A mighty anointing for breakthrough is coming upon you. In the name of Jesus. Yes. No one can serve two masters. 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus said, one of the things that can happen to you is that you can become a servant to one of two things in your lifetime. Either God or money. Two things that can take control over your life. Two things that are competing for a place in your heart to rule your life. Two things that want to take over your life and direct your life and control you. God or money. If God becomes your master, money will be your servant. And when money is your servant, it will respond to your call anytime you call. Now, if money becomes your master, you become a servant to money and it rules you. May God deliver somebody. Now, how does money gain control over our lives? Verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus said, the reason why money can easily take control over your life is because of need, what to eat, what to drink what to wear, where to live, where to stay. I need a new watch. I need a new shoe. I need a new car. I need to do expansion on my house. I need to move to a bigger house. I need to move to a more prime place. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to travel abroad. I need to go to Chicago. I need to go to Dubai. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need new hairs. I need new weavons. I need new dresses. Need, 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 need. Jesus said, when you enter the need pressure, money begins to direct your life. And Jesus said, life is more than food and drinks. And the body is more than clothing. Do you know what that means? You are more important than the dress you are wearing. You first before the dress. If you change the equation, you have, you have missed your way. You are more important than... If you need a designer shoe before you feel important, you are not intelligent. You are not living smart. You don't need that to be important. Hello? Yeah. When you are home, in your boxer shorts, barefooted, you are still important. If shoe, designer shoe make you important, then you should wear it when you are sleeping. <laughs> Don't wait to come and impress me. Wear it when you are in the kitchen cooking. Wear it when you are sleeping. Wear it when you are bathing. You are in the shower. I want to be important in the shower. Um, no. Listen, even when you are naked under the shower, you are still very 100% important. Am I saying you should not wear designer shoes? No. Wear it if you have it. But you are not wearing it because you want to feel important. You wear it because you are already important. You know you are important and you deserve to wear it when God brings it. When God brings it, you wear it. And the reason why God will bring you such a nice thing is because you are important. God doesn't bring it to you so that you will become important. No, he's bringing it to you because you are important. And what makes you important is your life purpose. Your life purpose. You are here, God has a great purpose concerning your life. You are not a human being that is a creature of accident. No, your parents may not have planned your birth, but God planned your life. And if you find your purpose, you come in the center of the will of God for your life. And your life ceases to be ordinary. All of heaven is watching to make sure that your life is preserved and protected. That every need in your life is provided for. Because you are in the center of his will, pursuing his plan and purpose for your life. Not dresses and shoes. No, that's not what makes you important. Jesus said, needs can make you so worried. So worried. Sometimes people are not happy because they don't have nice dresses. Because some of the people who don't have nice dresses, they are deceived to think those who have nice dresses are happy. 
People who are single are not happy because they are not married. And they are deceived to think everybody married is happy until they get married and realize, oh, <laughs> it's not what I thought. <laughs> I have chosen to be happy every day in my life to the day I die. Money or no money. House or no house. Car or no car. Because marriage will never make you happy. You need to be happy. Then when you get married, you continue to be happy. And when you get married, there are no children. You will still be happy. Because everyone who doesn't have a child thinks that the people who have children, they are very happy people. The people who have children are laughing loudly. Oh, if God can just bless me with children, I won't ask him for anything again. Oh, are you really sure about that? Think, think again before you say what you are saying. Think again. You never know. And children come. And children come. They come with their own worries. They come with their own worries. Their own troubles. Anger, annoyance. Sometimes I feel like kicking them. You know? Those who have children are not happy. Those who don't have children are not happy. Those who are married are not happy. Those who are single are, are not happy. We are all not happy. Because we think that the day you have certain things, then you will be happy. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Riches. Listen, you can have 10 cars. You will still want cars. You know, when you are poor, you, you'll be saying, ah, how can, you know, can you have two cars? I mean, oh, two cars. I mean, it's too much. Oh, two. Two cars. When you have three, you still see one nice one. You say, ah, this one is nice. This one is nice. I think if I get this one, I'll be fine. Look, if you are poor, don't be angry against rich people. Don't complain about someone who has five houses because a day is coming, you will have some. Yeah. But I promise you, the day you have five houses, you will still want more. You will still want houses. Houses can never satisfy you. Clothes can never satisfy you. Clothes can never satisfy you. Every day you go to the shop, you get tempted by more clothing. So if I'll get these ones, I'll be fine. No. You get it, you still see new ones. Because needs are coming every day. Jesus said, don't allow yourself to be trapped into that spiral. Need money. And in that cycle, you never see satisfaction anywhere. You keep chasing it. It's a chase. The money chase to meet needs. And before you realize it, you've walked away from God. You've walked away from God. And the reason why you walk away from God is God because money is suggesting to you certain things you should do and get more of it. And God says, I don't like that. He said, no, I want the money. You walk away from God. So Jesus was teaching. That's when he says, he said, look at the best of the air, but they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into bands. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value? You see the word value there? You see the word value there? Lift the right hand into heaven and say, I declare I am valuable. I don't need money to be valuable. Material thing does not make me valuable. I'm the best of the best. The best I can ever be. Money or no money. In Jesus' name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Jesus said, even God feeds the birds of the air. And you are more valuable. God didn't create you the rest of your life to come chasing after material things. There's a more to life than that. You have more value than birds. Verse 27. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to your stature? That is what makes us look foolish before God sometimes. The clothes you are buying, you need to be alive to wear it. And you are not responsible for being alive. Today, you didn't wake up yourself. God woke you up. The time you slept last night, you can't tell. You just realize you are asleep and you realize you are awake. The one who gave you life said, I'll provide for you. But we can't trust him to provide for us. Even though he still gives us life, it doesn't sound intelligent at all. Because if you are not alive, you cannot enjoy the houses, the cars, everything. You can't. Worrying cannot increase your height. That's what Jesus is saying. How many of you buy? No, I don't like my height. I'll increase it. I don't like my appearance. I'll, I'll make it look nicer. The ladies can try a little, but it's temporary. 
When you enter the shower, you see your real self. And when you marry your husband, see your real self. Verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How much they grow? They neither turn nor spin. Uh -huh. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like this, like one of these. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Will he not much more? Let's close with 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. Let's read from verse, is it verse 6? Okay, I like this. Godliness with contentment. What is contentment? Satisfaction. Everybody say contentment. One more time, say contentment. Contentment does not mean complacency. So today, our church, um, we have an average of 350. If we have one service, I can become complacent. Complacent means I feel I have arrived. Because some people are only 100 congregation and they have made themselves all manner of titles and everything. Like they are finished in the world. I don't feel complacent. I don't think I have arrived. But that I am not complacent does not mean I am not happy for how far we have come as a church. Contentment means I haven't reached where I want to be, but I'm thankful to God for my life that I'm no longer where I used to be. Contentment. Contentment means take time every now and then to identify the good things God has done in your life. And you'll be surprised. When you are not content, you will soon become greedy. If you are not content, you will soon become what? Greedy. You'll become greedy. You'll become greedy. As bad as you think your situation is, you are better off than somebody. That's what everybody here, somebody envies you. For God's sake, why should somebody envy you? Who has more than you? I have two cars, you have one. How can I envy your car? In fact, your own is not nice like mine. <laughs> you, you know that one. Uh -huh. I can't envy this girl. The only person who can envy this girl is somebody who is walking. And every one of you here, some of you don't know, but I'm telling you today, somebody envies you because your situation is better than somebody's own. I'm not saying be complacent. I'm saying be content. <laughs> I don't like hanging around people who complain all the time. Every time. Nothing is working. Things and If you look at the person, he's lying. He is lying. He's, sometimes people exaggerate their problems. You know, I told you this story about a guy who came to me and said he's an orphan. I said, ah, so where are you staying? He said, I'm staying with my mother. I said, ah, what kind of... I said, I thought you said you are an orphan. He said, yes, my father has died. I said, no. If your father has died, you are not an orphan. Because there are people who don't even have a mother to stay with. They are on the street. You have at least a mother who is alive. But sometimes you can make yourself look like the worst person on the world, carrying all the problems in the world. Your problem is the biggest in the world. If they pass you, they can see problem again. And negative and negative and negative. Godliness with contentment is what? A, that means you gain more when you become content. Contentment will make you grateful. And gratitude will bring you more. If you are grateful to God for one, he will give you ten. If you are grateful to God for ten, he will give you hundred. If you are grateful to God for hundred, he will give you a thousand. If you are grateful to God for a thousand, he will give you a million. If you are grateful, if you are grateful for life, you will get food to eat. You will have clothing to wear. But you need to be grateful that at least you are alive. Do you know how many people are battling for life now? They don't want food. They don't want clothing. If only they can survive and be alive for just another year. And yet they can tell they won't make it past this year. Godliness with contentment is a great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain. It's not speculative. It is certain that you won't take anything out. That's the worst part of the whole equation. That everything you are fighting for. The things you destroy people to get, you will not even take it with you. Because of money you destroyed people. You killed people. You stab people in the back. You betrayed relationship. And then you get things and say, yeah, I've got it. You're not taking it with you when you die. And you can't even tell when you die. All of you here, you can't tell when you die. This is not sad. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad. And having food and clothing with this, we shall be what? Content. But those who desire to be rich 
greed. This is what he does. They fall into what? Temptation and a snare is a trap. Some people can be trapped with money 24-7. They fall into every trap. I'll continue next week and show you that one of the tests you need to pass for God to trust you with some dimensions of blessing is the test of money. Can I say that again so that you can take this one home? God will test you with money before he can give you anything. Let me say it again. God will test you with money. Because until you pass the money test, God is not sure how you handle the trap when people set the trap in front of you. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Do you know what is perdition? The word perdition was used for only two people in the Bible. Time is gone, but I think I need to show you this. Everybody says perdition. The word perdition was used for only two people. First one was Satan. Second was Judas Iscariot. Oh, no, 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 no. It's true. Also, verify what I'm saying. Jesus said the son of perdition. He was referring to Judas Iscariot. Only one more person was referred as the son of perdition, the Antichrist. The Bible said that money can make you so ungodly. Judas Iscariot was the only apostle among the disciples who never did ministry. After staying with Jesus for three years, he committed suicide. He killed himself. Great opportunity to touch lives, change lives. He sacrificed it on the table of money. Then people, Apostle Paul came and said, I'm nothing. Except the grace used mightily by God. How much money did the apostle Paul have? I don't know. How many lives did he touch? I know. How many churches did he plant? I know. How many books did he write? I know. How much money did he have? I don't know. Because nobody's interested in how much money you have. People are interested in how many lives you touched. In your lifetime, may you touch lives. I said in your lifetime, may it be said that you touch lives. In the name of Jesus. The only people who are remembered are not the ones who had money. Read history. There's no historical record about somebody who had plenty of money. There's only history about people who touched lives, changed the world, did great things, even with poverty. 34 presidents went to Mother Teresa's funeral. 34 heads of state, including the president of America. She was a poor woman who decided to help poor people. Not always about money. Those that are greedy, they will always fall into temptations. They will always fall into a trap. They will fall into foolish and harmful lusts that drive people straight into destruction. It will not happen to you. In the name of Jesus. It will not happen to you. In your lifetime, you will change the world. In your lifetime, you will make a difference in your family. You see, greedy people can never make any difference in people's lives because they are so selfish. Greedy people are so selfish. They are always thinking, let me have it, let me have it. I don't have, let me have it. You know, I was telling somebody recently, I said, if somebody is greedy, he can have 10 in his pocket. He will hide it and take the one you have. Because he will make you feel he has nothing. You think a greedy person can think about helping other people? No, they don't do that. When they don't have it, they talk to you like, oh, you know, we need to help the poor. We need to do this. When they have it, they forget the preaching. Don't complain about what people are not doing for others. Tell me what you are doing for other people. Sometimes I tell people, I meet people, I say, look, what have you also done for somebody? Every day you are complaining about people who don't do anything for people. They are doing... What have you done for somebody? Let me close by telling you five things that are more important than money. Five things that are more important than money. If you don't study this one, you can never blame God tomorrow. And every teaching I'm doing now is on podcasts. By tomorrow, today's teaching will be on podcasts. Go and listen over and over and over. What I preached last week is already on podcast. What I preached last two weeks is also on podcast. You can also find it on YouTube. Go to YouTube and type Reverend Henry Hubert. Everything I teach, the video is on YouTube. Please, we put them there for you. No, I'm doing my best for you. That's what he called me to do. The rest is up to you. The rest is up to you. When I took over this church, I said it. When I started teaching, I said, this is what I'm teaching and this is what I'm doing myself. Those who were here, when I took over, you remember, you were here. I said, everything I'm teaching, this is what I'm doing. The reason why I'm saying it, I don't want one day, five years to come, ten years to come, some of you will be here and say, I don't understand why everybody is prospering the chair, everybody is giving testimony every week, everybody is bringing me alone, I'm not prospering. Because people always say that in church, that you are not getting blessed doesn't mean 
God is not blessing other people. The reason is because probably you are not taking the things I'm teaching seriously. Five things that are very are more important than money. The first one is what? Second one is what? The third one is what? The fourth one? The fifth one? From next week, I'm going to take you one after the other. Blessing is more important than money. Wisdom is more important than money. Favor is more important than money. Relationship is more important than money. And a good name. It's more important than money. Clap your hands. Rise up to your feet, everybody. Rise up to your feet. Let's pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, I rebuke sickness and disease. I rebuke sickness and disease. I rebuke sickness and disease. Someone has a sharp pain in your left armpit. Sharp pain. I rebuke sickness and disease. The Lord is telling him to pray for the sick. Right now, if you are sick in any part of your body, I command healing to your body. I rebuke headache. I rebuke chest pain. I rebuke pain in the leg. I rebuke pain in the eyes. I rebuke every attack of the enemy against your body. In the name of Jesus, receive your healing right now. Receive your healing right now. Receive your healing now, right now. I see somebody in the spirit. You are crying over a problem. The Lord says, I should tell you, stop crying. Because next Sunday by this time, you will be smiling. I'll give you a testimony. There's somebody here, you'll be crying about a problem. The Lord said, I'm about to visit you, I'm about to turn the situation around. By the time we are done with the fasting and prayer by Sunday, by this time, you're going to have a testimony in your life. I see a door, an open door in the life of a certain man here. There's a young man who is believing God for an open door. I don't know what door it is. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. I command doors to open. This week, I release favor upon people. I command supernatural blessings. I command breakthroughs upon breakthroughs. In the name of Jesus, I pray businesses for expansion. I see expansion is coming into some businesses here. I see expansion coming into some businesses here. Receive expansion into your business. Receive expansion into your business. In the name of Jesus. I see somebody's shop closed down. God is reopening that shop. I see office. Somebody's office is closed. It's a shop and also an office at the same time. <laughs> like you, your own business. I'm not talking about an unemployed person. Your own business closed down. God is reopening the shop. I command a miracle. I command favor. I bless, release your power upon everyone watching this live. Whatever you are believing God for, I command a miracle for you over your life. In Jesus' name. today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.